Good morning. Um, I'm just going to talk around a couple of scriptures that uh, that are real key to me and really important um, to be able to do the ministry. And I want to talk in, in uh, John, no, it's Mark, I'm sorry. What chapter are we? Mark 10. And it's where James and John come to Jesus and they go, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to him, to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to, to him, Grant us that we may sit on one, one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. And I heard many preach on that and I've looked at that and I thought, Far out. You know, fancy asking that. Why would you ask that? And I love the Word of God. And my day starts every day with the Word of God. I merge myself in it throughout the day. That's why I get through. I get up in the morning and I spend my first half hour to an hour in the Word, and it's been a habit. And, and I stick at it, not because it's legalistic, but because I just love God and spending that time. And so I said to God, sounds like I needed advice, but no, I'm really just talking to him. And... I said, whoa, what a thing to ask. And, and I just felt the Holy Spirit go on a different angle than what I've heard before and said in my heart, it's because of my close relationship with them that they were so relaxed that they were able to ask me such a thing. Imagine that. We have a Father that loves us so much that we can just come relaxed and ask him something. He didn't tell them off. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able to, Jesus. Jesus said, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and with the baptism that I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But as to sit on my right hand, right hand and on my left is not mine to give but it is for those for whom it has been prepared and it was can you drink the cup when God called me to what I do he said can you drink the cup I was as enthusiastic as these fellas you know I could climb any mountain I could jump across rivers I could do anything because God had called me until I hit the first mountain and plumbing looked real good and I thought well, I'm out of here you know but that echoed in my head echoed in my heart can I drink the cup to my shame not always it's too hard but not to be doom and gloom there's been amazing times that I've seen God's hand move in this ministry that blows my mind away I just look, and sometimes I'm with someone, we look at each other, we go, well, that wasn't us. You just know. You know, I'd like to say, yeah, well, we succeeded today, bro, but we didn't. God did. And it's just seeing, but I have part of it, you know. I become part of it. God invites me in, say, come on, let's celebrate together, Richard, let's enjoy, you know, what I've accomplished. Not I, meaning my father. And so it's going in there. And you look at the other disciples, they got all sort of titchy and 
all annoyed that they flimmin' asked it in the first place. And that's something else. Te Paki's going to take it forward. And that's awesome. And I was supporting right through. And it's really important to me, you know. And just one last scripture, and I'll just say it from the top of my head. It's where the gardener, the, the guy, the planting, you know, comes to him and says, this tree's not produced fruit. Cut it out and get rid of it. And he says, give me one more year. One more year. And I'll dig around it. I'll manure it. I'll look after it. I'll take care of it. Just give me one more year. And if it doesn't produce fruit, and if you look, read it, it's in Luke. Someone's been told to believe and you'll find it. And then you cut it out. He still was prepared to cut the tree down. Yeah. And so when God placed that in my heart, every time I hit a wall, every time I hit something that's really hard and people want to give up, it's, why do you waste me time for me? Just use me. Step to me all the time. Go somewhere else. Do something else. That guy, look at him. Look at him. He just knows how to work the system. I'll just respond with me one more year, Lord. You can use me for another year. And I'll water him with the word of God. I'll encourage him to make better decisions. And I'll close my story two minutes. Yep. I got into my going off out to uh, Little River to the scripture union retreat uh, last Tuesday. And I got into the car, I was about to get in, and this young Maori boy runs over to me and he goes, Hi, remember me? one of the thousands of years before. And I looked up and I thought, he did it, he took his hat off and I recognised him. And I said, Brian, what, what are you up to? How's things going? And he says, awesome. He said, I, I'm, I'm off the drugs. He said, I've got a one-year-old child. You know, me and my partner, I've been working for two years doing fasting. It's really good. And, and I said, that's awesome. He said, how's your drinking going? And he says, I still drink sometimes more than I should, but generally all good. Now that young man is 22, I think he is now. He came into my life as a nine-year-old. He was smoking weed, he was huffing butane, and he was in the, in the, the violence and the places that he was staying. And I journeyed with him. 17, I lost contact with him because he really got into harder stuff. But I periodically found him. And now he's going to re-engage and really Wow, wow. Thanks, Rich. Well done, Rich. Heading down the back. Hey, I want to just kind of cap off what we've been um, Richard's been saying and the questions we've been asking him today. And I want to speak from Luke also, but I'll tell you where it is. Luke chapter 5. Um, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's uh, the Sea of Galilee, um, the people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He, saw, he was at the water's edge. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into uh, one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, yeah, nah. Oh, no, he didn't. 
he said, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And when they came and filled, and they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. How about that, John Button? Wouldn't that be just the most awesome fishing day? Um, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled um, their boats up on the shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. Bill Hybels, do you mind taking this um, down for me, please? Um, Bill Hybels uh, said these famous words. He said, the local church is the hope of the world, and its success rests on its leaders. And that is absolutely true. I want to do a little bit of a talk on leadership today, that God would continue to raise leaders up from in this church. Our history is that we've seen some amazing leaders like Richard rise up from within the, the body of this church here, and he's going to do it again. It could be you. A lot of it depends on whether we're up for it. God is always looking to see who will rise, who will put the kingdom of God and other people first, above their own dreams and aspirations of the things that they're wanting to do. And I believe that opportunity is given to every single one of us, just not that many people actually rise to it. But Richard is someone who rose, and he became a really good leader, and he accomplished things that other people only dream about. And, and the scope of what Richard has done that we've just seen a little opening up to is much, much bigger than that. A lot of people dream about it, and then they go back to sleep. Richard got out of bed, and he's walked towards it, and he hasn't given up, as he's been saying, over 25 years. I remember meeting Richard for the first time and Barbara back in 1997. Sandra and I were standing about where the entrance to the toilets are now, but that was outside in those days. And I hear this voice, and he, someone calls my name, and it's Richard, and he walks towards me. And, and he didn't always look like this dapper dresser that we see today. Richard was a plumber. He actually looks really good in a big pair of gumboots. He, 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 was, he was dressed as plumbers, as plumbers would naturally dress. And, and he came over to me, and I knew from the first couple of sentences that Richard said to me that he was a leader. He was telling me about him, himself and some conversations that he'd had at work where he would take on some of the guys, the other plumbers in his business, when they started cursing Jesus. He would say, hey, that's my Lord, and he'd get into a, a discussion with them to talk to them about spiritual things. And, and friends, that's not an easy thing to do on a building site. If any of you have built a house and you hear what the builders talk about around your house, it's usually not about the Bible. And he talked about his hopes for Aranui and what the Spirit had been saying to him. 
And, and, and he was gently challenging me at the same time about what sort of a leader are you, John? What are you going to be doing here in this church? How, what, what, what kind of leadership style will you have? Will you encourage other leaders or will you make them all kind of work through you so that you remain at the top of the, of the pile? And Richard was gently, on the first time I've met him, pushing back but also talking about what um, his dreams and God actually were. And I saw leadership all over him and all over his wife. And, and they were people who knew God and they knew, I knew that they were going somewhere and the best thing I could do was get out of their way and encourage them. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. And I've sought to do that for about 25 or 23 years now. You know, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is talking, and the longer he talks, the bigger the crowd grows, until he's eventually pushed back into the sea, towards uh, his heels are on the actual water. And the Sea of Galilee, on a beautiful day, is absolutely incredible. I've got some photos from when we were there. Um, what, that's my attempt at walking on water. Uh, we, we did the best we could. Uh, two of us got this big rock and, that we found on the beach and we were carrying it out to put it into the water and we got really told off by some tour guides that were there, don't you touch anything like that and have fun. I, I thought to myself, I'm only doing what Richard would do. My idea was to put it out in the water and then we could stand on it and, and be walking on water with a really cool photo. But that's the best we've got. Here's some other shots of the Sea of Galilee. Um, we, we went on, out on a boat with it, with Chris and Sandra, of course, there. Here he is. Hey, Rob. And Petra. And Pam as well. I think it's Chris again. And that's about it. it was an, it's an awesome place. Obviously, when it's, when it's wet and raining and stormy, it, it goes the opposite of that. But it is a place that you really want to go. Make sure on your bucket list, if you have any dream of going to, to Israel, make sure you put it near the top on your bucket list so that you go. It's incredible to be there. It just brings Christianity and your Bible reading and your life alive being there. And I can't remember why I was um, showing you this, telling you this. Oh, yeah. So he climbs into Peter's boat. Now, we don't actually know what Peter thought when Jesus climbed into his boat but I'm guessing it was surprise. What's he doing? See, Peter, Simon Peter, was a leader, but he would have seen in Jesus a greater leader. And Jesus was testing him that day to see what he was actually up for. A bit like Richard was testing me, even in the first conversations when we were together, he was wanting to know what kind of leader am I? And I was uh, wanting the, to know the same of him. And Jesus was, te was testing Peter to see, will he actually take action? Now, if you're a leader, one of the things that you need in helpers, but particularly if you're looking for budding leaders um, to, to be part of what you're up, you're up to and doing, then a leader will automatically, if they see something that needs doing, they will jump in and do it. And a budding leader, a leader will expect a budding leader to do exactly the same as well. And Peter, Jesus was testing Peter to see whether he had any initiative in him. And Peter just jumped into, into action. Jesus asked him for help, 
And, and Jesus could have rowed the boat out. Jesus could have pushed it offshore and let it drift out. And it could have been all his strength. But he's talking. He's thinking of the crowd. He doesn't want the crowd to drop in size like it does for me if I talk long. He wants the crowd to keep going. So he's testing Peter. Will you do this part? Get me out where I can actually eyeball everybody that's in this crowd that's there. And Peter just does it with spades. He just does it naturally. He sees what needs to be done, and he does it. When we were in Israel, um, I noticed this trait in Bart. Bart Taylor, if there was a problem, um, he was on to it. When the bus driver got lost, he'd already Googled where we were supposed to be going and was showing it to the bus driver. Eventually, we gave Bart the job of making sure that everyone was on time and on the bus so that we didn't leave anyone behind. Bart was just... He's a leader. He just has this ability to be able to make things happen. Eh, Tori? You know, early on in the church here, there was no intermediate group's leader. And so Richard just stepped up. Richard, who's as busy as with his own ministry, and he started running the intermediates group. And we wanted to have a camp. And he said, John, you might as well come as well. So he's got mates, as I said, all over the place. And so we, we, um, we got canoes and trailers and, and the whole intermediates boys and girls group that was pretty large at that stage over there for the night. And we're staying in a, in a converted barn on the, on the coast. And, and everyone's kind of just settling down, and Richard comes in and goes, OK, up you go, we're going on a tramp now. And he pulls out a rifle, and he goes, we're going shooting. And so here's these 11- and 12-year-old kids getting a lesson on firearm safety, and it's late at night, and we're off. What a weekend we had. It's that ability just to make stuff happen that's always been there in Richard. I remember when our youth group wanted to go out and see the whales. Richard says, i got a mate. He's a fisherman, he owns a boat. And so we took the whole youth group and he said, all you've got to do is you've got to be willing to preach in a church there. If, if we're willing to, for our youth group to give testimonies and preach on the Sunday, we'll arrange the whole thing for it, the youth to be able to go out whale watching. And man, it was a cool day, cool weekend. Boy, I learned that some of the guys in our church can snore as well. And so Peter passed this initiative test. Would he take initiative? Yes, he would. It was, it was fantastic. So if you're looking for leaders, it's one of the things you need to look for and give people the opportunity to, to set them up so that something has to happen and see where the people just... There's no seats here. They're in the cupboard. Some people just walk over, pull the whole trolley of seats out and set the whole thing up. You're looking for people like that. You know, if Peter had responded differently and said, row your own boat, I'm doing the nets, can't you see what's going on? He could well have sidelined his future. The second test that Peter, Jesus was testing Peter about was, will you follow directions test? Now, wives give their husbands this test quite regularly. Will you follow directions? It used to be with, to do with maps and cars. Hey, the wives would want the maps out and the husband, I know where I'm going. No, no, no. Will you follow directions? Now, some people are really talented, but it's their way or the highway. And no matter what our level of leadership, we still need to remain team players. Can I get an amen? And, and stop and think about this. Jesus 
gives a professional fisherman instructions on how to fish. Think about it. Jesus gives a professional fisherman instructions on how to fish. Even a great fisherman, you don't do that to. I go f- have been fishing with John Button, and, and I have never tried to tell John Button how to fish. John tells me how to fish. For one reason, he owns the truck that pulled the boat. He owns the boat that we are out, out in now. He even bought the bait, and he owns the rods. If John says, this is how you do it, my answer is, yes, sir. But Jesus says to a professional fisherman, I know better than you. Go out there. I know where they are. And man, the amazing, amazing humility of this budding leader called Simon Peter was that he he recognized a leadership gift. He recognized greater authority. And he says, we've been out all night. And he didn't say while you were sleeping. But if you say so, I'll actually do it. It's an amazing thing. See, God is looking in his church for people who, no matter their experience, no matter their, their uh, um, uh, understanding and wisdom, are you actually willing to become part of a team and follow the vision and the direction that's there? And... and uh, and Peter passed it on this day. And you know, Richard has, um, has had many people who've been part of his ministry over the years. And he's had many who've come right alongside him and walked for their season under his leadership for, for where things are to go. I think of guys like um, Marsh, and I think of Moy, um, who, who is, is there. I, I think of um, Stockman. Sean, and, and the willingness to walk alongside that has been there in Sean. There are so many, Richard, I don't know them all, and I take a real risk even in mentioning names. But there have been other people who haven't been willing to walk alongside. And this has been the, one of the hardest things in leadership, eh? Where people have had their own agendas and their own ideas of what should be done, and they kind of want your job, Richard, and over the 23 years of your leadership, um, I've seen that in different seasons. But you've come through those times and you've kept walking. And that's what God calls all of us as leaders to do, to, to uh, encourage people to come alongside, but also maybe to release some people who, who um, are great leaders in themselves, but they need to go out and do their own ministry because <laughs> they don't want to walk in the same direction um, that you're there. And Rich, you've taken quite a few hits over the years in that area, and I just honor you for it. And then there's the, the, um, the test of who's going to take the credit. Who's going to take the credit? And you'll have seen this in Richard today. A massive number of fish were caught. Two boats were needed to bring the, them all in. Who gets the credit for it? You know, we live in a credit-hogging society, and I'm the man or I'm the woman society today. And credit-hogging doesn't create healthy dynamics for teams, teams um, to, to be able to go forward. And sometimes Jesus tells us to do amazing things, but he needs to get all the credit. He needs to get all the credit. 
You know, the really interesting thing that I see in this too is that Jesus has just caused Peter's business to be extremely flourishing financially. And he doesn't ask for a cut. He's quite happy with what he's doing. But Peter's going, flip, this is a great month. The balance sheet that might have been in different conditions is now very, very, very healthy with all that's going to be sold out of here. And Peter, once he, once he realizes all of this, he gives, just gives the credit to the Lord, and he goes, Lord, get away from me. You are an incredibly holy person. He probably realized he was dealing with the Messiah at that point because he calls him Lord. And Richard, I really love the way you stayed grounded in, in this area. You, you've always pointed up to Jesus Christ, and, and you've built something that has affected um, positively hundreds of children and families and you've changed that whole community's perspective on the gospel and church, and, and you've left some freehold assets there of three shops in that, that is now a community center, and you've been able to pass on the mantle of leadership to a great young leader in Tapaki. But it began in prayer, intense prayer, and it's been maintained by prayer, and it's all about Jesus making it happen, and happen not you or anyone else who's working with you. And you've always refused to let money and funding shut you down. Many times I've heard you say that, if, if, that what you say is, um, if we can't share about Jesus, then I don't want your funding and walk out of meetings at times. Can I say that again? Many times I've heard Richard say, if we can't share about Jesus Christ, I don't want your funding and walk away from it. So I think you pass the Jesus gets the credit test, Richard. And then the fourth test that Jesus put Peter through was the grander vision test. And, and you know, suddenly Peter's got this, his business is booming, and Jesus says to him, he says, I'm calling you to fish for men. Transforming men and women is actually what I'm, I'm calling you, you for. I want you to win your community. And he's really asking Peter at this point, what's more important? Is it a dollar or is it someone's eternal destiny? And Peter decides, I'm going after the eternal destiny. And Richard, I remember when Jesus was talking to you about going full time. And, and you would talk to me and talk to others about, should I give up my plumbing job? Should I give up you know, the retirement thing that's there? Should I give up weekly um, knowledge of how much money's coming in? And, and what should I do? But you knew that the call was taking you so that you, could, you just didn't have the time to do 40 hours plumbing and then youth work on the top of that as well. And, and, and that's exactly what Jesus says to Peter. And Peter, it doesn't say he closed his business down. He probably left it in someone else's hands and it just ticked over. He didn't sell his boats because when it was all over and the cross had happened, they went back to the fishing. But Richard, you walked away from the steady income, the, the guaranteed amount per week and the overtimes and the bonuses. Remember the bonuses, Rich? Remember what it was like getting a bonus? I bet you haven't had too many of those over the, them over the years. And the last test is is, yes, you can see the vision of going after people, but will you actually pay the price? And they left everything. Peter and the others that were there with them on that day, they, they said the vision of winning other people is worth far more 
than this business. And Jesus isn't down on businesses at all. He just paints a greater vision than what we've set our heart on up to this point. And when he speaks personally into our life, we have a choice. Do I step into what Jesus is calling me to with all the risk, especially financial risk, or will I just stay where it's safe? But Jesus doesn't say business is no good. He's not against people earning income on a regular basis coming in. It's just that for some leaders, he calls them to something that is so big, like what Richard was called to, he needed to be full-time. And you stepped into it. Years ago, Richard, you and Barbara said yes, and it was a joint thing. Barbara was as much in that decision as you were because it affected her so greatly as well. And you stepped out of the regular paycheck. And I love going around to your place now. Can I just have the picture up of it? Just the, that's the entranceway to his house. You know, the earthquakes, as terrible as they were, have been a means for God to reshape everything. And I go around to your place and I sit in the sun in the couch, beautiful white couches that you've got there in this spacious area and drink coffee with you. And I want to do that for years and years and years of time. And I just, every time I come to your place, I think, this is amazing that you are so blessed. And Rich, you're an example of how God can, when he calls you to, to pay a price and step out of that inco uh, regular income, he can still make it up to you. And he can give you a place to be able to live in and enjoy and have as your sanctuary that is way beyond that. I don't know whether you really, this is biting home for you, but whatever God has out there in front of you, if you say yes to him, God is no man's debtor. God is no man's debtor. You live in favor, you live in peace, you live in beauty. Dollars or destiny and you chose destiny, and God's looked after you in the dollars as well. And the great thing is, well, actually, there's another pain that I want to bring up, is the, the pain of, of the stepping out and risking not having enough. And there have been times when you haven't had enough. But God's come through amazingly, time after time after time. Mates with homes in Hanma that just make them available to you, for you and Barb to be able to go and have time out. Mates in Kaikoura, mates on the coast, mates in Dunedin, and things have just come together for you. But the bigger price, the other price that you've had to pay, are the hits that you've taken emotionally. And this year you've been hit hard with three suicides. And there have been quite a number who have died of the young people that you've been working with and some staff over the years. And there's an emotional toll and there's a pain there's what-ifs that must go round in your head. What if I'd done this? What if could I have made any difference? So it's great that you can step back and you can retire now, Richard. But as I said, there is actually no retirement in God. But there's refreshment, there's change, and you can call it retirement if you want. But I look forward to what God just speaks into your heart, you and Barbara together, about for the future. And take a, take a lower profile and recover and be refreshed. But I want to thank you that you've done what you've done and you've walked the road that has opened up Aranui in a real special way to the, uh, to the gospel and people's lives have been changed over and over and over again and the people know that God loves them.
And I don't think we've seen yet the seeds that you have planted all sprout and come to fruition. There's a lot more going to happen in our city because of what you've done. But we've seen enough to know that you've run the race very well. And we want to honour you today, Richard. So can I get you just to come down again? Just as Richard, yeah. I know that you plan to uh, go on a bit of a ticky tour um, around the uh, at least the South Island. I don't know if you plan to visit the uh, North Island. But um, as a church, we thought we'd like to just invest a little bit into that so that you, can, you and Barb can have a, a real good refreshing time. So bless you very much, friend. Cool.